All right. How's everybody doing? Good? Well, it's second Sunday, so that means we're going to be in the book of Psalms. We're working through the Maskell Psalms, and we are almost to the end of that. We're going to be wrapping that up next month. This is, we got one more after this week. So, we'll have to figure out what comes next. That's exciting, moving through God's Word. All right, it is, we are as a body, as a church, in the, a season of prayer and fasting. If you uh, haven't been around, uh, that started this past Tuesday, so you know, we're five days in now. And uh, however you're fasting, whatever you're fasting, that's between you and the Lord. No judgment to everybody who's eating all the food. <laughs> I'm not going to assume that nobody here is fasting. Not fasting, not fasting, not fasting, not fasting. Nobody here is taking time to meet with the Lord. I did find it a little entertaining. And they're like, forget these announcements. We're going to go. As soon as he said prayer and fasting, we're like, we're going to go get food now. We ain't going to listen. We ain't even listening to this. We've got to get some, some food in us. It looks good, though. That biscuits and gravy. And something, something sugary. What is that in that other pot? <laughs> Sundays are a Sabbath. I think there's supposed to be a Sabbath from your fast, too. Maybe that's how everyone's approaching it. It's a day of rest. Lord, what are you fasting? What are you guys fasting today? I'm fasting, fasting. I gave up on the fasting just for the Sabbath. I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if the Lord responds to that one. That's what I do for Lent, though. I work at a Catholic Jesuit institution. I work at Rockhurst University. So, you know, they're real Lenty. And though everyone there is... And they all talk about it, like, what are you giving up for Lent? And I'll always tell people, I gave up Lent for Lent. <laughs> so I don't do it. And they're like, what? And I say, let me tell you more about, about biblical fasting and ashes. Anyway. Psalms 89 is where we're going to be. It's a longer psalm. It's one of the, the longer masculines. Some of them have been real short. There's a few that get... Super long. This one's 52 verses. It's not the longest. But we're not going to read it all, and we're not going to dig into all of the detail, because it's 52 verses. That's a lot of verses. And so what today will look like is I'm going to start, and I'm going to outline some of it, and then I'm going to put you guys in groups, and we're going to do some group work as I guide you through uh, more of the psalm. There'll be things that go, uh, if there are things that go undiscovered, don't blame me. Blame yourself and your group. You're going to have the opportunity to discover a lot in Psalms 89 today, okay? Sound good? Everybody can work in groups? And then, we've got our fingers crossed, we're going to play with a little more added technology. I'm going to give you guys ways to interact off your phone, and it'll pop up here on this screen if it works right. Maybe it's fasting today, who knows? It was earlier. But it may be back. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we thank you for your word. We do thank you for the opportunity 
just to set aside time and, and to pray and to fast and, and to come into your presence and to let the things of this world fall to the wayside. And God, and to, to focus on what really, really matters. And it's not the things of this world. It's not the things of my flesh. It's not the desires and needs that I have. God, it's your presence. It's your praise. And as we look at Psalm 89, God, help us to, uh, to praise. Help us to be challenged to praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So that is the, the theme that, we're, that we have for this week. It is praise. So, you know, a lot of these psalms have been a little dark. There's been a lot of heavy stuff coming in the, in the maskills. But this one has, at least it starts with, um, you know, a, a brighter start. It is written by whom? Ethan. Yeah, it's right there in the intro. So Ethan, and we've talked about him and, and his crew. So he's one of the authors here in the psalm. So this is a, a maskill of Ethan. The Ezraite. What does that mean? From Ezra. From Ezra? Moabite from Moab? Yep, you got it. That's simple. That's where he's from. That's his people. Very good. Now, I'm going to outline this before we dig into it, but I'll, I'll read the first verse, actually, and this is how it starts off. Some of you are going to try to sing the first verse. If you're, if you're old school, you know. Because it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Generations. That's how you sing it. All right. So it jumps right in. It jumps in with this, this big praise. But let's outline it real quickly. Is that right? I'm getting critiqued by the choir director over here. Two choir directors. What? get your cutoffs. I'm by myself. I cut off when I want. You only have to do this if there's a group. I need everyone to cut off when I do. I'm by myself. I'll take that note as long as it needs to be. Come on, people. Selah appears four times in this chapter, and that's, those Selahs are a good way to outline anything when they show up, because it's a rest. Selah says, we've been working, we've been working, now we get here. Take a rest for a moment. And we talked about Selah oh, a year ago when we started this, but it points us to the millennium. It points us to that season of rest. And so if we were to break this chapter down based on the Selahs, the first one shows up in verse 4, and it talks about uh, a seed and a throne forever. That's what leads into that Selah. The next one comes in verse 37, and again, it talks about a seed and a throne forever. The next one comes in verse 45, and, and it talks about short days and shame. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. There's a big shift in this, in this chapter. And then in verse 48, there's another Selah, and it talks about the death and the grave. So they're on the screen for you there. So really, you know, the four Selahs puts the book into five parts. That'd be verses 1 through 3, and then that, that Selah stops you. And then 4 to 37, and then 37 to 45, 45 to 48. And then you got, after that last Selah, you've got that last closing section, which would be 48 to 52. So that's how that, that breaks down your chapter for you. And, it, and again, this is a good way because God wrote that in there. So you go, take a pause right here and consider what we've already covered. David appears four times in the chapter as well. Verse 3, he says, I made a covenant and I've sworn unto my servant David. In verse 20, he says, I have found and anointed David. In verse 35, I have sworn I will not lie unto David. And then in verse 49, Lord, 
Where are thy loving kindnesses that you swore unto David? So there's the four times that David shows up. So I, you know, I think there's an interesting correlation between the Selahs and David, and maybe I was trying to work more into it than is really there. They both appear four times, um, and I think you know that's cool. They don't line up perfectly. You see those middle two appear in that, in that kind of that, you know, they 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 don't all line up necessarily well with the Selahs. So whatever, that's where. The, the chapter breaks down into two primary parts, though, uh, in terms of the tone. When you start to read, and I read that first verse for you, it jumps right in, and it says, I will sing and I will praise, and it jumps right in uh, with this, this upbeat, this joyous, this, this praise that, that begins it, and it leads us all the way up to verse 37. Uh, you, get, you get this first part that is really encouraging. Focuses on praise. You get to the end of verse 37, and, and you have that Selah there, that second Selah. And then you get this shift in tone. Because verse 38 starts with but. But. So it goes from praise to but. Verse 38 says, Thou hast cast off and abhorred. Thou hast been wroth with thine anointed. So all of a sudden, there's a, a, a big shift in the tone. So the, the last half of the chapter is going to follow this, this more uh, dark, this cast off, this anger. He's going to talk about breaking covenant. He's going to talk about hard things. It's going to come almost in direct contrast to what came in the first half of the chapter. In the first half of the chapter, you get the eternal covenants of God. And then the second half of the chapter, he goes, you broke your covenant. And you're like, what on earth is going on? And so that's how it divides it in terms of, you know, the tone and the layout of it. There's also shifts in perspective in this chapter that can be tricky. So as you start to read through it, you know from in verse 1 that Ezra, I'm sorry, that Ethan, the Ezraite, is writing. And when he says, I will sing, I will praise, that's, that's, that's Ethan. Verse 2, for I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Verse 3, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Now is that, is that Ethan? Is Ethan the one who made a covenant with David? Is Ethan the one who swore? No. So it goes from, from Ethan and it shifts. It's just, you don't get any warning and it doesn't say, and the Lord said. It just, he just throws it right in there. God speaks through Ethan and he just, boom, God starts dropping some stuff on you. Now all of a sudden you have God's perspective. So you had Ethan's perspective of praise, but now you've got God's perspective. And then it'll bump back out of that. So you have to watch that as you work through and figure out, wait, who's talking? So you might have to back up, and this is a good principle for Bible study. When you pick up any singular verse, you go, what is going on here? Well, you, you need an on-ramp. So you back up a little bit, and you read the verses ahead of it, and you say, what's the context? I've got to go far enough back so that I can figure out who's talking here. And again, you don't, get, you don't always get the it doesn't just tell you in this psalm. So it makes it a little bit tricky as you work through it. Forever appears seven times in this psalm. So that's a big theme that runs through this psalm. Only one of them appears after verse 37. When that tone shifts, so most of the forevers are in that first half where it's praise and upbeat. And then after verse 37, there's only one forever that shows up. And it's verse 46 that says, How long, O Lord, will you hide thyself forever? 
Shall they wrath burn like fire? And so that's the only time that forever comes. And it's not in a positive, even that's not in a positive sense. It's this questioning of, have you left me, God, forever? When are you coming back to me? Interesting breakdown uh, as well, just in terms of maybe the, the, the selahs and the praise. And it, it kind of looks like this. Verse 1, there's praise. Verse 3, David is named. And then you get that first Selah in verse 4, right? So before the first Selah, it goes, praise David. Then you get after that, after the, the last Selah in verse 48. And verse 49 starts talking about David. And 52 ends with praise. So it doesn't use the word praise. It talks about blessing. So blessed be the Lord forevermore. So it walks in, praise David, and then it walks back out, David prays in the opposite way. And so you see a lot of Psalms that are structured like this, various uh, levels of what we would call chiastic structure, a big fancy word that says it kind of looks like an X, like it goes in and it comes back out. And that's what this psalm does. It, and it works from praise into David, and it'll have this big middle section that's really focused on David, and it'll work back out to blessing the Lord, praising the Lord. Okay? So that's the basic breakdown here. I hope you get some handles on a chapter that's, that's got a lot going on. I want to give you our first, our first thought to consider. And I'll just read the first couple verses, and I'll give it to you, and then I'm going to have you start working together. It says this again, verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever, thy faithfulness Shalt thou establish in the very heavens? I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. And the first point for praise, see what I want to give you today are some praise helps. How to, how to ignite praise in your life because sometimes we don't feel like praise. Sometimes we're not in, in the right mood to praise. Sometimes we, we are but we don't know how to praise. And we go, God, what? Well, how do I praise you today? And the first thing I want you to see is, is that God's character, knowing God's character is cause for praise. Okay? You, you don't need to get stuck and hung up on your situation, your circumstance, the rough, the bad, the hard, the ugly. You don't need to get stuck up on all that stuff that's going on because when you do, it's really hard to find reasons to praise. When you wake up in the morning, when you start your day, you want to tune your heart to the character of God, to the nature of God. And when you identify his nature in any form, whatever character quality that is, even the hard ones like, I'm a chastising father. It's part of his character. We should stop and take some time to pray and to praise in light of that character quality that we're seeing. This will help you in your season of prayer and fasting. How do I pray and fast? Just consider who God is. Consider his character. Press in. So in verses 1 and 2, you see, for example, verse 2, For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. You see a character quality of God right there. God is merciful. So I could just stop right there and I could say, he's merciful. It also says in verse 2 that he's faithful. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. 
So there's two character qualities of God. Now, I could take some time and I could just start to pray and to praise the Lord for His mercy. And what does that look like in your life? Then you want to start making application of that. God, how have you been merciful to me? And sometimes, sometimes, our first inclination is to go, He's not been merciful to me. Everything's so hard for me. Now, come on. Let's be honest for a minute. Let's actually let God lead us in this. So maybe I need to get out my trusty blue letter and, and be like, mercy, merciful. Let me see some other places. Let me see some more. Let me expound upon that. Let God tell me more about his mercy, right? So in, here, in this verse it says, his mercy shall be built up forever. Well, praise the Lord that his mercy is, is, is continually growing, that it's built up, that I cannot out God's mercy. That I cannot out-rebel God's mercy. Like there will never be something in me that will be able to surpass his mercy. It started pretty big because he's God, but he's like, I'm building it up. And, and he says his faithfulness shall he, he establish in the very heavens. Okay. Well, I can praise him for his faithfulness because uh, every day when I get up, and you can do some cross-referencing, I see the sun. Huh. Faithful. I bet there's a tie there. Oh, there is in Scripture. You can find it. I know that as long as that sun is rising, that God will still be faithful. So I have reasons to praise, right? So I need to identify the character of God. In verses 3 and 4, he talks about a covenant that he made. So I see there that he's a promise keeper. This is a character quality of God. Okay, everyone in my life is failing me. My best friend backstabbed me. My boyfriend left me. My husband cheated on me. Uh, you know, there, there could be all of these bad relationships in life, but here's one relationship that will never be broken on his end. On his end. He is faithful. Specifically here to his relationship with David. Do I think I can take and apply that to me? Is he faithful to his relationship with me as his son, as his servant? Yeah. All right, so those are just a couple examples. So here's, here, here's a thought. If you lack reasons to praise, acquaint yourself with the character of God. Especially when my character's off. When my character is off, I need to make God's character the focus so I can get some of that. All right, so we're going to get a couple of these little just praise helper tips. And as we get into groups, you guys are going to maybe develop some of these too as you're talking. You're going to find some things here in the scripture uh, that, that will help you make some application. Maybe you'll need to share it with everyone else. Give me the next slide. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into groups here in just a second. And I want you in your, in your group to search the chapter and find more character qualities of God, characteristics of who God is. Right? And, and at first it's just a list. But just making a list doesn't help us personally. So the next thing you've got to do is make application. You might say, how or why is that a quality uh, or a reason to praise God? Okay? And then there'll be a third component. And then we're going we're gonna to get some help here. You could fill in the... This sentence. This sentence will help you make application. Because God is quality, I can praise him, and then you fill in a reason, right? So because God is 
merciful. I can praise him even when I fail. Right? That might be an example of how you would use that to make an application. Does that make sense? Give me the next slide. Let's see if this is going to work. Okay. Now, I've got a way for you from your group. Maybe you're not big on talking out loud and sharing. Um, this is tiny, tiny, tiny. If you've got bad eyes, you don't even know. There's words up here. But you can use your phone and you can engage. This will just create a little word cloud for us. You could type in the character qualities of God that you're finding in Psalms 89. So we will get a list, right? And then the next slide will have that, that statement. We'll put it back up. If you can get that QR code, it'll get you access. And then we could type anything. Let's see if I still have access. Is it going to work? Boom. That was me. I just typed mercy, and that popped in. You can, send a, you can send a text. You can get in by text, or you can get in by the QR code. I can read you the text info if you want to just send a text. You that code, the, text code. the text code. You're going you're gonna to type James 5221. No spaces. James 5221. You send that to 37607. You can get up, and then I want you to get yourself you know, connected so you, can, so you can see it. And that way we'll be able to see what everybody's pulling out of the chapter. And then get into groups, four or five people, kind of bigger groups, six people's good. Four or five, six people, let's make some groups. Four, five, six. I don't want twos, I want bigger groups. And then jump right in. Maybe you guys break the chapter up in your group and say, hey, I'll take the first 10, you take the next 10, or however you want to do it. Just start finding these character, characteristics of God, okay? So you might have noticed you can't add to the list anymore. I didn't set the uh, number of responses high enough. You all have, are finding a lot. That's good. That means that uh, the characteristics of God in Psalm 89 alone are greater than the capacity of pull everywhere to, re to record. <laughs> All right, so man has not yet created a way to record the great character of our God. But for just a second, so you guys are seeing a lot of stuff, the things that are bigger means that more people typed it in or it showed up more often, so a lot of people were, were catching that mighty and mercy, the, the strong God, grace, creator, uh, defense, a defender, everlasting, a whole bunch of words up there. A couple of us were trying to type anointed right at the end, and it wouldn't, wouldn't go in. That shows up at the end of the chapter. So what we're going to do, stay in your groups and, and stay with these thoughts of God's character. Let's go to the next slide. And you should still be able to respond from the same spot. But now, I want you to make application. I don't want to spend all our time making a list, because the list won't help you. You've got to make some application. And that question, it's real tiny, but it was because God is blank, I can praise him blank, right? So now let's take some of those things that you guys pulled out in your group and make some application. And again, you can type them in. I don't know what the limit's going to be. So maybe if you find something really good in your group, toss it in so everyone can see it up on the screen, okay? All right, let's work on application for a few minutes. And make, it, and make it real application. Like, talk about what's going on in your life. Which one spoke to you? All right, let's take a pause here for a minute and, and engage back up here. 
So you know what you were talking about in your group. You don't know what everyone else said. It's going to be hard to maybe capture. You can take a picture, uh, and then we'll shift the screen here in a minute. Because God is everlasting, I can praise him during uncertainty. Somebody said some truth there, and I know somebody needed to hear that. That's good. Because God is loving, I can share his love to those who are difficult. Or, yeah, difficult. That's, man, that's good truth, too. So th there's a lot of stuff coming out of this psalm. What'd you say? It's hard. It's hard, yes. Because God is a covenant God. I can praise him for his promises and believe them. I can simply trust him. Yeah. Good. So, okay. So if you want to grab a picture, if you want to, if you want to know what everyone else is doing, take a picture. And then, guys back there, if you could scroll it. All the way, so you put endure. Does this scroll? Yeah, put endure all the way up here. Stop. Now you can get a picture of the rest that was on there if you just want to know what everyone else is finding. Because God is in control, I can rest. I don't gotta. I don't gotta stress it. Selah. Yeah, here it is again. Someone else had that same thought. Because God is in control, I can let it go. There you go. Okay, listen to me for just a minute. So we're praising God for his character. I think also out of this chapter, another just a, a, a praise point I want to give you before I put you back in your groups is this. Knowing God's promises is a cause for praise. Not only is God's character a reason for praise, but his promises. Now here's a whole other way that you can start looking at this chapter or the entirety of the Bible. You go back in and you start looking at the promises that he made. Again, the good simple example is right there at the beginning. He makes a promise to David that he's going to establish his kingdom forever. Now we know that's a prophecy. We know there's actually a lot of prophecy then in this chapter because it's got to talk about an eternal kingdom out of David. Lasting and uh, you know, beyond the sun into the heavens. It's got to be talking about someone who's not just a man, right? Okay, so it's talking about, the, about Christ. So Christ shows up in this chapter. Um, God's praises be, or promises become a, a cause for praise. So if you lack a reason to praise, then you should uh, acquaint yourself also with the promises of God. Which means this, if your praise waxes and wanes, you probably need to be reminded that God's promises endure and that his character is unchanging. When I struggle to praise, these are, the, these are two simple ways to press in and start to identify with the Lord. Are there any more points that need to pop up on this slide? There we go. So from verse 1, he says, there's a promise. His mercy shall be built up forever. Verse 2, he says, his faithfulness shall be established in the heavens. Verse 3, a covenant with David. Those are three examples from the very beginning. But you can do that through the whole chapter. Uh, but you want to get to this place, and this is found in the same chapter, where, you know what? I recognize I'm weak and I'm flesh, and I do wax and wane, but God doesn't. Verse 24, you get reminded of the same thing. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. His faithfulness and mercy are what we need to be reminded of. Verse 28, my mercy will I keep for him forevermore. Who's the him? The him is you. 
That, that's where you go, this one's talking to me. The hymn is named Luke. The hymn is named Mark. Sometimes the hymn is named Amanda. Sometimes the hymn has, 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 is named Janie. The hymn's got a, a female name. But that's okay, because you can read that, and you can see yourself there. My mercy will I keep for, for Janie forevermore. For Dell. So you can put yourself in there. This chapter talks about where, where praise comes from and where to praise in the heavens and the earth. And you know, it talks about weird things about the sea and a river and putting your hands in them. And it talks about who should praise. You know, it brings us all these different ideas about praise. The last thing, though, I want you to talk about. We've got six minutes, and I'm going to send you back to your groups. Next slide is this. Oh, that, there you go. Here's your praise helper. That's what we said. Uh, acquaint yourself with the promises of God. Good. Next slide. We're not going to do that. Next slide. <laughs> we're going to do this one instead, because we're almost out of time. You guys have been working hard together, and I gave you more time. All generations. It comes up a couple times in, in, in this chapter, from the very beginning, verse 1. I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. So here's the question that you're going to take into your group. How can you minister to all generations? What does that mean, to minister to all generations? You might do, I suggested right here, search the, that phrase, put it in just like that, all generations, and see what comes up, because you're going to find a lot of other verses that talk about praise and all generations and different aspects of that. You've got four minutes to run this as a group. That way we can talk about it together for one minute, and then we'll be done. All generations. How do you make application and praise to all generations, minister to all generations? Okay. I know that was a short time to work on a big assignment. But we are running out of time, and just so we can take a minute to talk about it. What did you guys find? Does anyone have something they want to share? I didn't put it on the screen. You've got to talk now. Yeah. How can you minister to all generations? Or maybe you found another really cool verse you just want to shout out. Yeah. Okay. Could minister to everybody. Older people, too. Get around older people. Because that's, that's, that's an important point. Because naturally, a lot of us get around peer groups, right? Yeah, so it's easy for us. We're all kind of in the same boat. And if we're not, then we're sitting together with people who are in the same boat as us. But it's good for us to be in a church body that has lots of generations of people. In the church body, you can meet and minister to all generations. Some of you need to find a way to get around some older people. And on the other end, some younger people. Some of you, maybe the way that you minister to all generations is you need to start working in Kidtown. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, but maybe some of you need to start serving in the hospitality team because you're going to stand at the door and you're going to see all generations come in. And you're going to get to know them. If you're not plugged into a church-wide ministry and you're, in, you're being discipled or you have been discipled and you're growing, this is a way for you to get uh, that, that done. You need to minister to all generations. Now, the foundational way in this body that we minister to all generations is actually through discipleship. Because there, we're not necessarily talking about biological generations. I could go, as a very young 40-year-old man, and disciple, for example, a very old 50-year-old man like Dell. 
And that's another biological generation. Discipleship gives us this father-son relationship, and then father-son-grandson. You see, our, our key to discipleship is we're making generations. So here's the key plug-in right here. Everybody should be involved in the discipleship ministry because that is how you're going to be able to minister to all generations, not just biological generations, but our spiritual generations as well. I want to be ministering to people that are younger than me, and I always want to stay connected to my pastor, to my fellowship leader, to the person who discipled me. I need elders in the faith in my life as well. And I need to have some young people that I'm investing in. All right, so there's a lot more you can do with all generations. You guys know each other. You can follow up with it. God bless you. We got we to get out. Time is up. <laughs>